The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. We've got the human MRI rejoining us. He was here hmm, maybe a year ago. No, actually, I think it might have been closer to two years ago. Justin Elledge is going to rejoin us. We're going to talk about intuitive healing plus what he calls forbidden cures. And uh, some other topics might creep into the discussion as we talk tonight with Justin. Thank you to everybody for being here. And thank you to everybody for being in the chat room. For those of you who are participating there, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, that's probably because you haven't found the YouTube channel yet. On our YouTube channel, we've got a live chat room that uh, follows the stream. A lot of great people there. We appreciate everybody joining us. Because I take questions from there, comments, whatever. It's a, it's a good group, and we have a lot of fun. A couple things I want to mention. Last night's program, uh, I had a lot of uh, inquiries about what our first guest, Dr. Hotze, said about a free book. Because he said it so quickly at the end of our discussion with him that a lot of people didn't catch it. So what he said was he is giving a, one of his books away for free to our audience. And what you need to do... There's a phone number involved, so uh, you can either replay this to get the number or you can write it down. But the number is 281-698-8698. You call that number and you say you heard Dr. Hotze on, uh, he said, say, JV's show, and that he said something about a free book, and they'll send it to you. So, again, I'll give you the number one more time, 281-698-8698. And I will post that number in the chat room as well. I also want to thank Richard Lauer for uh, becoming one of our fine Patreon supporters. We appreciate the people that can do that for the for us. It helps us uh, helps us with uh, some of the expenses of bringing the program to you. And Richard, thank you so much for being part of that group. We appreciate it. If anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, you can go to Patreon and uh, find Joha. J-O-H-A-W, that's our production company, and you can help support the program that way. Not required. Always appreciated, though. So thank you so much. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get our guest on the program. It's Beyond Reality, and tonight we're talking with Justin Elledge, the human MRI. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If anything is on our mind these days, it's our health. You can't help but be concerned. Whether it's media panic, whether it's overinflated, whether it's exaggerated, or whether it's the real deal, that, that debate can be had, and we had a bit of it last night. However, we are all concerned about our health. Tonight's guest is a returning guest. Justin Elledge is known as the human MRI. He's a medical intuitive, an esoteric Buddhist healer, and a vocational nurse. Justin, welcome back to Beyond Reality. It's great to have you here again. Thank you so very much. I, I couldn't begin to describe how happy I am to be back. Well, I'm happy you're here, too, because the first time around, uh, I, I had, I didn't remember what was going on, but I know I wasn't here, and our uh, substitute host, Bruce Markison, had the pleasure of chatting with you, uh, and he said it was a great conversation, so I'm looking forward to having it with you here tonight. Indeed, and again, uh, time and timing is everything, so... Um... I've been riding this wave and can't wait to hit the beach. All good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's just get a, a few uh, concepts and ideas and maybe definitions out of the way here before we really get into this discussion. We all know what an MRI is, and <laughs> if I had to simplify it, it's a very expensive piece of m- medical machinery. High technology, of course. Obviously, you're not a machine. So what is a human MRI? The human MRI, well... Uh, years ago, in fact, uh, 15 years last weekend with the uh, advent of Easter, I was at a retreat up in the mountains of Southern California in Julian, up on the mountains. It was gorgeous, beautiful day, and up there with a group doing uh, work of the Course in Miracles. And as miracles do actually happen, uh, a gentleman was in a lot of pain, and it happened to be we had a chiropractor in the group, and he was working with him and 
just couldn't seem to get rid of this, what I thought was neck pain. Now, leading up to that, prior to this uh, weekend, I had become a vocational nurse. I had done massage therapy, done energy work, and had also taken refuge with a living Buddhist master. And, if you will, kind of a perfect storm occurred Mm -hmm. on Easter weekend in 2005. So the chiropractor didn't have any success at alleviating the pain, so I got down on the floor where the gentleman was, and I simply put my hands above his chest to do some energy work, do some healing divine light, and all of a sudden in my mind, in my mind's eye, I saw that of a broken rib where the two ribs were connected and broken and bleeding, and I just backed right away from the person. I said, where are you feeling this pain, Ananda? And because I just watched a chiropractor do twists and necks and hips and everything, and he indicated on his right side, I said, you, my friend, have a broken rib. Wow. And as you can imagine, everybody in the room went deathly silent, and including the chiropractor. <laughs> so um, needless to say, uh, three days later when we were out of the retreat, he went down the mountain and got it confirmed by an X-ray. So from that moment in 2005, um, I continued to work in my then-day job, at a design college in Pasadena, California, and working in a, a, a shop environment, machines, power tools, bandsaws, sawdust. And over the next few months, things would happen. Someone, A student would walk up to me and need me to help her with something, and I'd look at her, and uh, her name was Angela, and I said, just take this with, if you will, just a grain of salt. Your sister will be okay. It's going to be touch and go for the next couple, three days, but by Friday she'll be through it. And, of course, you know, the student didn't know me that well, and I didn't know her that well. And she just kind of looked at me and go, well, really? I says, oh, yeah. And she said, oh, it's funny you should say that. My sister's in the hospital. And literally, just like on the calendar, as I described it, she pulled through. And these events kept happening more and more and more till I was on uh, a radio show in Los Angeles, uh, the Aware Show with Lisa Gar, And she was interviewing me, my first radio show. And she said, you know, it sounds like you're kind of like a human MRI. And I just thought that was perfect, and the name stuck. Wow. Uh, that must have been an incredible experience. Let's, let's rewind back to that first experience you had. Uh, I think you, you, you said you were trying to uh, work with some energy. Maybe, I don't know if your intention was healing or comforting or what it was. But to have that vision, if you will, um, appear to you, and then to find out it was an accurate vision. I mean, you must have been questioning a lot of things at that point. Oh, my goodness, you so nailed it on the head. Um, When it happened, I wasn't ready for it. I've read stories. I grew up reading the works of Asimov and Heinlein and Ray Bradbury, all the science fiction writers, and, of course, a lot of the fantasy novels and uh, even up including um, Harry Potter. But the idea that I, as an individual walking this earth, could have some form of sixth sense or some way of knowing the unknown, it was growing up in a middle-class home. My father was a Marine Corps fighter pilot, top gun instructor. And so you can imagine growing up in that home, things were pretty straightforward. And I just had a hard time accepting what I was doing because it would just be happening so frequently. Whether I was on the job, I might be talking to someone on the phone like this, and the next thing you know, the information would come in, and I would share it, and it was just like, wow. And it would just keep happening. But it, it was at least six months of me really scratching my head. Um, A friend, a colleague, who also one of the most brilliant uh, medical bio-researchers I've ever known, uh, Nancy Batchelder, had clients that she was working with that had strange issues on the body that she was helping work on. And so I explained what was happening to her about this event. And she goes, really, why don't you view my health? And I'm driving home with work, still a little bit of the sawdust, And I'm literally driving home on my cell phone with my headset, and I start describing all these medical and physical problems with her, which she had never shared. And she was literally, and I was was in tears at this point because I was really doing it. It wasn't just a fluke. And she was so impressed by that, she started having, she would start calling me at work and call me over to the phone and say, Justin, I have this woman here. Can you tell me about her? And I would dial in, and I'd close my eyes for a moment. I get this entire image of the woman. Um, this particular one was the first time she called, so it stuck with me. Uh, she's 55 years old, red hair, freckles. She's 
she's dealing with pre-diabetic, she needs to change her diet, she's got too much carbohydrates, and she gets, needs to work on her proteins. Okay, got to go. And hung up the phone and went back to work. And this happened a couple, three more times over the next month or so, and I was actually starting to get annoyed. And because I was working, I had a day job. <laughs> so very reluctantly, I started doing this practice. And then a few more incidents and uh, amazing circumstances happened. And I finally said yes. I met a wonderful medium, uh, Hans Christian King, who made his home in Asheville, North Carolina, which I live near now. And when he saw me that same year, everything happened in 2005. It was like all the stops were pulled out, all the perfect storm of things I needed to experience. And he had seen literally thousands of clients over the years of different people, wanted to talk to loved ones. And I just said, oh, why not? He was, he was the best that there was that I knew of. And so I had a session with him, and he basically shut down. He went out of his body, and he came back. And he said, Justin, do you have any idea who you are? And I go, well, not really. What are you saying? I'm not sure, you, I'm not sure I'd want to know if I heard that. <laughs> uh, indeed, indeed. And he was, he was dumbfounded. Yeah. And, and, and I actually have this all on audio. I actually have a recording. And he said, I've done thousands of readings. And this is the first time I've been completely out of my body. And they showed me who you are beneath all the exterior, beneath all the beliefs, beneath, beneath all the stuff you've learned in this lifetime. And he said simply this, you are a master. And that was actually more frightening to me and uncomfortable. And he said, oh, yeah, you're, you're psychic and you have this ability, you can practice. And I was like, okay, I can practice. He said, no, you are a master and there is nothing I have to tell you. There is nothing I can share with you that you will not know by yourself or come to understand. And we just talked after that. How's it going, you know? Um, and I left kind of in a strange perplexion of not sure which way to go, but it's just the universe was saying yes. And so it was my agreeing to that, to do this work, whoever showed up at my door or by phone or by uh, Skype, whatever it was, I would start working with them and people would start having these miraculous breakthroughs. Um, today, I will share that I was working with a client, um, and she's been, seen, she's been to every allergist, every MD. She's had hundreds of tests and tens of thousands of dollars spent to find out why she couldn't breathe, why she was like suffocating. And as we dived into her body, mind, and spirit today, it came out that she had died because someone had killed her with a spear in a past life. And as we worked through this, I did my healing work through this, and we got her to see the spear and understand what had happened and why it had happened. And she came to realize that she was defending the defenseless and literally put herself between the spear thrower wow. and those she was guarding. I'm getting goosebumps just telling you the story. And this was today. And after that, she was laughing and breathing, and everything was fine. And it's those kind of breakthroughs that I find incredible. And I can't put that in a book. I can't put that on a CD. And so I still do this work on a day-to-day -day basis. I still work with clients from all over the world. My very first client out overseas was in Africa. It was a five, no, six, seven-year-old boy who had stopped growing. He was about the height of a four-year-old. And the family uh, had a large farm. They had funds. They were able to take their son to different specialists around Africa, Europe, whoever they could figure that might be able to figure out why this young boy stopped growing. And if you'd like, I'll show you what it was. It turns out, as part of my session with the boy, with the mother, that this boy was the seventh generation of the Dutch Afrikaners that had invaded South Africa and had become the ruling party. And because of that, the only thing left that the native population had in South Africa after they had been decimated by bullets and bacteria and booze were shamans who placed curses, literally cursed entire generations. And so now at the seventh generation, this is the generation when the South African, native South Africans 
have gotten their country back. Nelson Mandela came in. Right. And so I explain this curse to the mother, and she's only hearing half of this. This is not the answer she was looking for, some pill or potion. And so I shared with her, this is what I see that you need to do. One, you need to find a local aloe vera plant and use this as an ointment. Two, take him to a local shaman, witch doctor, whatever you want to call him or her, and have them remove the curse. Because political times have changed. And so after I hung up the phone, I hadn't heard from the mother in about six months. Sure enough, within a few weeks after that, they'd taken the son to a, a witch doctor or shaman, removed the curse, and he started growing again. Wow. I, Justin, I have so many questions based on everything you just said to me, and I want to start at the end and work backwards, and the end is based on basically what you just said. How did you know what to do? You may have been able to see the curse, but how did you know how to fix it? Well, that's part of the joy of the work, is that not only do you call it my guides, my committee, I don't have a single guide or angel, I have an entire committee. Some of them are engineers, some of them are designers, some of them I think are copywriters, some of them have whatever their field is, and it just shows up. So not only do I see what's going on, but then I'm led to help that person understand how they can fix it. And ultimately, in my Buddhist practice, of that which I pray for every day to help heal the world, is to alleviate and relieve suffering. And if I can do that for one person, I've made my mark in history. And... So as the information comes in, I then get a second image of what needs to be done. For example, something more biological. This is now 10, 12 years ago. I was working with a woman on the phone. I'd never met her. And I dialed in, and I said, well, it looks like you're having thyroid problems. She says yes, and I'm seeing parathyroid, and we're working through her system. And she has some breast lumps and bumps, and I'm also seeing she or her uterus as she's having fibroid tumors. And I say, oh, this is what I'm seeing, and she confirmed it. I don't like to know anything about a person when they call. Right. I really have fun, like, on doing call-in radio programs because there's no way I could know the person. And then sometimes I get the answer before they even make the phone call. So with this particular individual... She was in her late 20s, and part of the reason she couldn't get pregnant was because of the fibroid tumors. Well, out of the blue, I hear the word iodine, and it's like, okay. Now, I'm also a nurse, but there's a lot of things we never studied in nursing school. And though I had an understanding of nutrition, and I actually passed the uh, nutrition biology course all by myself, never took a single class, I was able to pass it on the first test, that... I had a lot of native information, but also, there's always more. So when I'm in that state and I saw for this woman she needs a lot of, lots of iodine for not only her thyroid, but it turns out that women and men need lots of iodine and it's been lost to our diet. So I made this crazy suggestion. I said, okay, this is pure intuition here. I said, again, I'm not a doctor. I can't prescribe or diagnose or practice medicine. But from a nutritional standpoint, this is what I was seeing her body needed. And so I suggested to her, and I have shared this with other doctors, just so you know, that I asked, I suggested that she put iodine, a liquid iodine like Lugol solution, onto a tampon and told her to insert it and remove it, you know, do this, change it out every three hours for a few days, of which she did. And then lo and behold, at about five or six days out, all the fibroids fell out of her uterus. Her uterus literally expelled them. Wow. No surgery, no anesthesia, no antibiotics. And so when she let me know this, I was like over the moon because I've never heard of this anywhere else. I've read all through the medical medium books. Nothing's listed about this. And this is just one of the things that have come to me over the years. And, yes, I really have to finish my book. So that it turns out after I've had the session, then I go back, and then I go back and look up iodine and the benefits and what does it do. And sure enough, in the literature... It shows and has been documented that using iodine in the diet helps prevent fibroid tumors, endometriosis, breast lumps and bumps, low hypoglycemia. And hyperglycemia, which is considered another illness, can also be dealt with with things like selenium. So for me, when I get a hit on a client, this is what might help. 
it works. And then I go back and reverse engineer what I shared and then look up the, the symptoms and this and that. It's amazing. And so I am so honored to be able to do the work and still to this day after 15 years a bit mystified that literally by being quiet, saying my prayers to open sacred space, that the information tumbles into my head and a heart and then I'm able to share and to hear someone weeping with joy or to hear a woman is now able to conceive. Um, another child was born with a boost of her IQ of something like 20, 25 points. You know, these kind of things are what drive me forward, seeing people well. And it's an incredible journey. It's greater than any fictional novel I've ever read, bar none. Justin, get, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Finish, finish what no, you're no, saying. No, no. And I get to do it every day. Yeah. Uh, I want to take you back to the the consultation or the reading or the session you had with the medium who defined you as a master. I've had folks on the program use the word master before. Not everybody uses it the same way. In what way was it being used, and is it does it apply to you? Then, back in 2005, I, I didn't accept it. Now, today, with all the practice and things I've learned of esoteric Buddhism and more, it, I am fall, flowing into that place. Call it being a master, call it being an adept, a shaman, that I'm able to do things for individuals either in the same room or at distance. I was on a, a telesummit uh, two weeks ago, and I was actually able to demonstrate healing water over thousands of miles across the planet. And people actually wrote in their experiences that, that I can do it right now if you'd like. If you want to get a cup of tap water at the break, I will demonstrate that to you. And so is this a, a gimmick? No. Is it magic? No. It's a practice that I do, that I've learned from a then living master, Master Yu. He was a Buddhist teacher, came from the East to teach ways to stay safe from things like Fukushima, COVID, Corona, uh, H1N1, and all of the things that he has taught and has handed down. And I have books and books and books of literally a how-to manual to invoke the angels, the guides, the Buddhas to help heal, to help protect. And as part of that practice, of course, I also bring it to my Western philosophy. And there are people that aren't willing to dedicate 25, 50 years to their life to learn these esoteric practices. And they need healing now. In fact, one of my greatest adventures right now is sharing ways to help stop the COVID virus within five minutes. That's something that's learned along the way. Yes, it, 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 is, it is quite possible to stop the COVID virus and H1N1 and when SARS. You, when, you, when you say stop it, do you mean stop it being transmitted to yourself or stop it once you've, you've uh, been infected by it, or do you mean stop it globally? Well, it, it would globally it would take time, but um, a practice that I have developed, and this is a biological, not a spiritual practice, that I have developed a technique that I have found. I, I've had the flu twice. I had the flu in January and I had the flu in February, but it was not the COVID virus. I wasn't in contact with anyone. And I had the flu in 2019. I had the flu in uh, 2018, back in January. I had the worst flu of my life in January 2018, after being over in Ireland. And so normally I, I have a flu, I do what I do. It's gone within a few minutes, if not a few hours. This one hung on for two weeks, which for me was unbelievable. And I will share the whole process with you as we continue tonight, because I couldn't get it to stop by all the techniques. I have a pharmacy in my house. I have technologies, machines, I've built Rife devices, I've built Clark Zappers, I've got sound generator. I mean, I have it all. I, I, I have the, the true mad scientist layer, and I'm very technically proficient, so I can build just about anything, though I still have help with electronics. It's that, you know, if I want to build something, I can make it. So it's about one of several techniques, and I've been giving lectures to local people. I've, been, I've done Zoom class on the same thing. There's more than one way to prevent and stop the COVID virus or any of the viruses. They're all viruses. Right, right. Yeah, and, and, and we're going to talk about uh, coronavirus, COVID-19, um, a little bit later in the discussion. So sure. I, want to, I want to hold that. But I want to ask you about this transformation. 
uh, again, the, the, the meeting or the session with the medium, plus your first experience with having a vision where you were able to diagnose something in somebody, that all happened in 2005. Was there something that happened to you either physically, uh, did you have a near-death experience, or was there some type of spiritual awakening in you? Why that moment? What happened? Do we have any idea? Yes. My first out-of-body experience, near-death experience, I was three years old, and that occurred in our own, my family's backyard, in fact, in North Carolina, and I was uh, climbing, doing as what little kids do, and my mom was having an uh, afternoon picnic barbecue and had friends over from the military base to visit, and we're all on base back at Cherry Point, North Carolina, and um, my, my sister was still pretty much in just a... Um, um, not a bassinet. My older brother was, you know, doing his thing. So I climbed up on a brick barbecue, and that um, as I was climbing, one of the bricks pulled out, and I did a reverse somersault, Ooh. hit the ground, cut the back of my neck open, and my mom, without even blinking, just grabbed me up, grabbed a towel, scooped me up, and she was then driven to the hospital. Now, many years later, I had this vision. I, I, I can still see the interior of the Plymouth with the kind of felt roof and the kind of that bullet shape, and that my mom, and I could look at her holding the child, Madonna and child, if you will, and I'm describing this in the mid-'80s. I'm describing this whole vision to my mother, and she looked at me and stopped and for a minute said, how could you know that? You were unconscious. The fact that I just could describe there was only one driver, and I knew it was not my father because he was still on base waiting for him to land. Mm. And so I described the situation. So it was not something I had planned on. Um, a few years later, of course, I, I tried lighter fluid. I was one of those kids that you needed a childproof cap for. I was innately curious. So I had my stomach pumped. And that during these experiences, I left. I went out. And then so all the years later, growing up as a teenager, I was always the odd man out because I saw the world a little bit differently. I, my mind had been open, but I didn't know what to make of it. Everything just seemed, why are things so strange? Why are people being so mean to each other? And grew up, and I was always open to something. God bless Mrs. Hemmelhaber, my Cub Scout leader. Uh, one day I was waiting for her son, Chris, and that I'm standing in the living room, and all of a sudden the front door just blows open. And Mrs. Hemmelhaber, God rest her soul, she walked over to the front door, and with a wave of her arm, she has said, if you're with God, welcome. If you're not, you cannot enter. And I don't know if that was a Christian thing to say or whatever, but mm. as an eight-year-old Cub Scout with my little blue outfit on, yeah. I was like in awe of that. Here was an adult talking to something unseen or someone unseen, and these little bits and pieces stick together. So over the years, I was always open, and I was always searching. And then, of course, when I was 28... Um, I had uh, become very ill, and it all started with a root canal in 1985. And it wasn't for another 20 years that I found that the actually 25 years, 20 years that I found that all the doctors, all the clinicians, even went to other psychics, that the root canal that I had done in 1985 was still poisoning my body. Mm. So I'd gone from 230 pounds, I'm six foot six, and I dropped down to 160 pounds. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so all these years later, I've never been able to gain back all the weight. So I had the 2-3 done in 2005, and uh, the old gutta percha pulled out and the new uh, endocal put in. And it was the first time I had the color back in my face for over 20 years. So having gone through this and life and having worked as a nurse and all these different things, but I had made it every day. I look at people sometime and I scratch my head who have no idea how good they have it. Having had a chronic illness has led me to know so much more than the average person. And I look at now the divine path, that of the prodigal son. And so in 2005, when all this happened, was also the time I had my tooth repaired. The intuition came in. I met Hans Christian King, and he's telling me I'm a master. And it's like, it's like my whole life completely went upside down. And so as the biggest thing I can say to anyone, whether they be a world-class athlete, uh, actress, 
or if someone's singing in choir, it works when you believe it. It works when you say yes. You know, a, an amazing athlete will never hit his best or her best unless they really believe they can. They may come in second or third place, but it's still about believing they can do their best. And I just didn't believe. And once I came to believe, my life changed. I'll even go back during that time of being so emaciated and thin. Uh, this was 1988, so it's three years into this illness. And again, been to all the doctors, and I had one doctor say, I've taken every test, I've given you every test, I have no idea what's wrong. And it's just like, wow, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, these guys were gods. You take the test, this is what's wrong, here's the pill. So in 1988, I'm in a backyard, and the yard belonged to a woman who was a Reiki master. I didn't even know what Reiki work was. I've never taken an official Reiki class. And sitting there on a beautiful spring day, much like today, I'm sitting there, I've got my shirt off, I'm getting some sun, feeling rather dejected. I'm unemployed, I've got a couple hundred bucks in the bank, I'm house-sitting just for a place to live, and uh, not knowing what my life's about, and also being very ill and nobody knows what's wrong. To give me, I really give you an idea in the audience. My family thought I was dying of AIDS. Oh, wow. So sitting in that backyard, I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, God, if you're real, if I have a reason to be alive, I have to know. I have to have a reason to get up in the morning. And I'm sitting in the backyard and I'm thinking, okay, God, if you're real, show me. And I'm looking out in the yard and there's a butterfly over in the corner bouncing between the different flowers. And I said, as I say it to you now, dear God, if you're real, have that butterfly land in my hand. And sure enough, a few moments later, that butterfly came right across the yard, came over to me, and landed right in my outstretched hand. Wow. And so my first reaction was like, oh, my God, I don't believe it. And that butterfly took off. (laughs) 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 And I go, I believe, I believe, I believe. And sure enough, that butterfly came back to my hand and landed there. And that, to me, was my burning bush. We're talking, yeah, I'm sorry, we're talking with Justin Elledge tonight. Uh, he is the Human MRI. His website is exactly that, thehumanmri.com. Justin, what can people find if they go to the website? They'll read more about my story. They'll um, read testimonials of different individuals that I've helped over the years. Um, they'll find some of the nutrition products that I have sought out over the last 40 years of my life that I find are game-changing, life-affirming, and it's, it can be so simple for some people. Um, like uh, one of the things I have there is called double helix water. This is an amazing material that is literally the purest form of water manufactured on Earth. Again, other products, the big one that I've been talking to the world and screaming to the world, vitamin C, vitamin C, vitamin C. Uh, a particular one that I like that I use daily is called liposomal vitamin C, vitality C. And I sold out I started putting out flyers about vitamin C back in January and February, and then all of a sudden everybody woke up to the coronavirus is coming, and I sold as much in a week than I did in a year. And so getting more in and all these things from a business standpoint, these are the, you know, I try to keep it really simple of what things work amazingly. Um, Some of the other things you'll find um, there, you know, other links, other individuals, But the bottom line is that I'm here to serve. I'm here to help a person recover not only their health, but their birthright. Our guest tonight is Justin Elledge. He's the Human MRI. His website is called thehumanmri.com. That's the web address. You can find a lot of great information there. He's a medical intuitive, an esoteric Buddhist healer, and a vocational nurse. Justin, you had an experience, um, I was reading about this, with migraine headaches, and the medical community gave you an answer that you wouldn't accept, which kind of also ushered you down this path. Tell us what happened. Well, um, you know, I think it's uh, part of my nature to be stubborn. And when someone tells you something, this is what started me on this alternative path, was sitting in the doctor's office at the age of 14 or 15, to a neurologist who was recognized um, all over the United States, top of his field, graduate of USC. And he looked at me and he kind of put his arm on my my shoulder and said, son, you have a migraine headaches and you're going to have to get used to them. You're going to have them your whole life. 
And as you can imagine, my heart fell. All the things I'd planned or wanted to do, having experienced a migraine headache, is probably the most painful, excruciating, annoying, sickening experience I can ever describe because you never, ever know when the next one's coming. Um, So my desire of being a pilot like my father um, was out the window to do things like become a fireman or anything else of things that require you to be there 100%. I couldn't do. So it was a very sad day. And at the same time, it's like, this cannot be true. This cannot be right. I know this is what this learned man is telling me, but there's just no way that I can accept that is why I'm getting migraine headaches. I didn't have them when I was 10, didn't have them when I was 12, didn't have them when I was 13. Started having them late when I, at the end of my 14th birthday, and they continued for many years. What I came to realize years later that the migraines that I was getting was all caused by doctors. Specifically, it was caused by modern dentistry. It just so happened at the end of my 13th year, into my 14th year, I had uh, braces, and the braces came off, and then I got fillings, and I had eight mercury fillings in my mouth at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. So my response, my body, which was very sensitive and still is, needless to say, maybe it was a fall off the barbecue or maybe the lighter fluid, don't know. <laughs> or it may have been just a standard American diet, not eating enough salads, doesn't matter. So I found 20 years later, almost 30 years later, in 1995, during all the other stuff I was going through, um, having, you know, in the 1990s, a lot of this came up, Hal Huggins' um, work of dentistry going back to the Weston Price Foundation, all the information, the literature is out there to anyone that's listening. From my own personal experiences, I can't tell you what to do, but once I had those fillings out in 1995... I didn't have another migraine headache for over a year and a half. And to this day, I'm still doing detox protocols. I've done the uh, Andrew Cutler protocol. There's a whole book and a series and all kinds of information people can look at. And I've done other protocols. And I will probably continue to do them as long as I'm able because mercury is insidious. They call it quicksilver. And I personally believe those mercury fillings and also the glyphosate, the Roundup, the pesticides, the fluoride, the bromine. For those in the audience that know what I'm talking about, they're nodding their head yes. All of these chemicals are creating a neutered brain. We're shutting down or have the whole society because these chemicals are freely placed into our diet by so-called well-meaning experts preventing cavities. There's no real evidence to show that fluoride treatments of water processing plants ever has stopped a single cavity. If anything, it makes it worse. My body has continued to improve and heal over the years, and I'm not there yet. I'm still working on my Charles Atlas body. Uh, for those that may or may not who that was, or my Arnold Schwarzenegger body in, my, in his prime, still working on that one, but I just keep going. That's my inheritance because I'm too stubborn and too audacious to listen to authorities that are telling me they know what's best for me. And so by choosing this path, being, being the outlier has made all the difference. I hear more and more about heavy metal toxicity as being identified as the culprit, if you will, for a lot of a myriad of health issues. And there are more and more people such as yourself that I would call non-traditional medical uh, people that are looking at this idea and looking for ways to mitigate it and seemingly having a lot of success with it. Indeed. When I'm working with a client on the phone, I can usually tell in my mind's eye literally which tooth is the tooth that's causing the problem in their mouth, even though they might be 500 or 1,000, 10,000 miles away. And it's very often the first thing that comes up in a session. I see the teeth. I see the state of decay. I see the injury. I see the, I've, I've seen the mercury fillings underneath a crown that a person had. And I'd ask them, look in the mirror, do you see any mercury in your mouth? They go, no. And I said, there's still some there you need to get a look at. And sure enough, they went and got an x-ray confirmed by doctors 
that the, there was still mercury underneath the crown and that was leaching into their body. So it's insidious. And the crazy thing is there were two dental groups that got started in the late 1840s, 1850s. The one dental group refused to use the new silver amalgam, which is a chemical that the then early um, pharmaceutical industry came up with because they knew it had mercury in it. And there's no way to stabilize mercury in a solution. It comes out one way or the other. There's videos and books and all that. I'm not going to go there. And the other group said, we will be happy to use the amalgam fillings. And the one group that said we're happy to use the amalgam fillings became the American Dental Association, which still survives today. So it's not like this is new. We're talking 150, 170 years, for God's sake, of this being an issue. Now, take this. I want you to, everyone listening, to really listen to what I'm about to say. Mercury toxicity is tetragenic. Mercury toxicity is generational. So if a woman has mercury in her mouth, she can pass it on to their child. And that mercury blocks the ability of the body to absorb magnesium, which is needed for every kind of thing like depression and ADD and all these different things, without even getting into the whole vaccine controversy. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> right. Well, I'll stay out of that one for this, this time we have. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But that, again, the mercury, the quicksilver, will go through the placenta, go through the blood-brain barrier. It's literally going to every organ. And that's why it's so mischievous, because it wears a thousand hats. We've all heard of the character from Alice in Wonderland, the Mad Hatter. Yep. Well, there really were Mad Hatters, because... Back in the day when they wanted to get the beaver skin or the pelt of whatever hat they were working in to relax and to be able to be formed onto the hat shape, they would use mercury. When you work with a client, when you work with someone who is uh, having some sort of an ailment or not feeling right, or whether even, even if it's an emotional issue, whatever it happens to be, do you have to have physical contact with them to be able to get these visions, these messages, this understanding, or can you do it from anywhere? Um, no, I, I do not have to be in the room. I don't have to physically see them. Again, usually it's just a phone call. The phone rings, I answer the phone, and we dive in, And which is really kind of nice to go into a completely cold, to not know anything about them. Um, I've worked with a number of celebrities around the world and not knowing anything. I don't, want, I don't want to know anything about a person, so whatever comes into my mind, it's the deal, rather than going up and finding someone and then reading about it and what they've been dealing with, or like Facebook, all that. So I just don't have time for it. So literally they'll locate me or they'll hear about me or try to refer someone. Uh, The client I worked with today about the spear, she had worked with me four years ago. And so she rather and she was on her journey. And so she spent a year with all the doctors, tests and everything to try to figure out what's wrong. And then I was able to take care of it within an hour. And so I can only imagine the tens of thousands of dollars that she's already spent I would love to work with a traditional medical establishment and say, this is what I see going on here and set protocols and things. But again, what I'm suggesting in this process is getting rid of the cause of the illness, not the symptom. I have to ask you, um, did you break a tooth when you were a kid? Did you have a tooth broken? Did I? Yeah. I had a, uh, a tooth get chipped um, mm-hmm. Um, but it was, well, it. I think I was in, I, I was late teens. Yeah, that's what I've been seeing all day. I kept saying, what's this chipped tooth about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yep. Now, have you since had it filled in or corrected? No, I have never had a filling, actually. Hmm. No, but did you have that tooth nope. polished nope. or cleaned? Nothing. I mean, I, I have cleaning, yeah, but it's, it wasn't chipped to the point where it had to be repaired. Great. Okay. Well, good. Now I can put that to rest. And that's how I work. I get this impression of what a person is. Then I ask the question, this is what I'm seeing. It is it yes or no? And it's like, okay. And so, and then I work through it. But again, when the image comes through, it is a wonderful connection because I'm in that person or like yourself, not that I'm invading, but it's like, this is what's being presented to me. It's like, Where okay, does it come see. from, Justin? Where does the... Where does the the vision or the information come from? Is are are you is somehow astrally going to get it, or is it being sent to you spiritually? How does it get to you? I guess I want to call it the ultranet, the connection that we all have with the universe, with each other, and 
and again, through my own awakening under a living Buddha, a gentleman who could literally bring water out of thin air, who could heal the deaf and people with cancer just by his practice, that has connected me to a greater whole. You know, I never sit down, well, is this my angel, Archangel uh, Uriel, showing this with me? I never get into that. I'm just shown the image, and I accept it. Uh, again, that first year, I had a hard time when I would get the image or the feeling um, that it was real, and now I know it was real. Again, today, all day, I keep getting this chip tooth, chip tooth. Okay, I'm going to ask, JV, what's this about the chip tooth? <laughs> <laughs> so wherever you put that chip tooth into reality when it happened, it comes right around. I'll share another story with you. Um, in England, about eight years ago, a woman had called and was asking about her life and someone that she'd met, and what was, was more relationship, more traditional psychic work. You know, is this someone I can bond with? But not? And I said, yeah, this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And it's not an area I generally go into because the medical to me is the highest priority. But I'm asked all kinds of questions. Sometimes it's about a piece of design or engineering. Um, I've held bottles of pills and potions in my bare hand and can describe what's in them sight unseen of the label and describe that to doctors and clinicians. And so this one woman in, in uh, England, um, two boys, and has met someone and just wanted to kind of get a better sense of what this is about. And we talked, and I said, oh, by the way, one of your younger son, the shorter of the two, is going to take a tumble. Just be aware. It's not the end of the world. It'll seem really bad. He may or may not lose a tooth, but I just want you to be aware. And she was not happy about that. And sure enough, about two months later, boy was out riding, he jumped over a bump, came down hard, popped a tooth. Sometimes it's just meant to be. It's meant to show up. And I just share it. I don't, I don't put the cork in the bottle. I just, I, I've been in the strangest of places, and the information comes through at, a, at what used to be like a photo mat where people would go and get their photos developed all of about, uh, you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> and <laughs> ancient times <laughs> ancient times gosh yeah nobody in the you know, it just I mean, it was way off topic, but it, uh, it's amazing how quickly things have changed. I mean, really, when you say that, when you talk about going and having film developed, and you re- and it seems so foreign right now, but it really was not that long ago. Oh no, I've actually spent the last week uh, with some free time renovating an old ancient royal FP typewriter. The thing is a beast. It will do everything but whistle Dixie, and it's all manual. It's got you know magic margins, and you can set it, wow. dial it. And- and, I mean, literally, you know, I was going through every mechanical part, putting a tiny drop of oil here and there. And I had a typewriter as a kid, never got very good at it, but I had a typewriter. And to be able to go back into this anachronism, and you know what? If we had an EMP pulse, if um, yeah. the Internet went down, the yeah. computer, the electricity didn't work, that typewriter still punching. And now that I've re-oiled <laughs> and everything, I'm having a ball. going to type, start typing some letters to my family. Um, which they will probably keep to the end of their days. You know, that's the thing that we forget is like when we had a photograph, it may be buried in a box, but we still have that's the right. photograph. That's right. Rather that's... than flashcards. And so um, some years ago, I was uh, with the executive assistant of the Aware Show, and we were just out cruising. And that we stopped in, and this gentleman has, has had all these pictures out on the counter to be, uh, that he was looking after being developed. And it was of a young man at that time, I think it was about 22 or 23, handsome, good-looking guy. He was surrounded by all these trophies and everything. He had his karate gi on. And I'm looking at the man, and I'm looking at the kid in the photograph. And then, strangely enough, I start getting these images of all these teddy bears. So the man's standing there, and it's like, okay, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And I said, excuse me, but I have to ask this, this boy in the picture, does, uh, do teddy bears may have anything? Does, was there anything about this guy that had something to do with teddy bears? And the man just stopped what he was doing, and he turned to me and looked at me, and he said, my son, this is my son. He had third-degree black belt, traveled the world, and he died recently. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And he said, you know, he had a huge teddy bear collection. Hmm. And, of course, I was dumbfounded, but it was just, I had to share it. 
but that was the way her, his son was reaching out to try and connect to him. Like the old um, um, operators used to pull the wire out and hook it into a different phone line to connect two people to talk. That's what it feels like, is that when the universe needs to, me to know something, it pulls that button, pushes the plug in, and boom, we're hooked up, just like the Matrix. And uh, again, there, there's just, it's just such a great joy to be able to do the work. We're going to run out of time here before we run out of topic, and I do want to address this coronavirus issue. Sure. Um, you made some references to it in the first part of our discussion. Clearly, this is uh, un- unprecedented in the way we're handling this. I'm not so sure it's as unprecedented medically, but but that's you know that's not for me to decide. Uh, but but you had indicated there are ways that we could be at fighting this very differently. Yes, indeed. Well, and I'll say this: if in last in the last few years. We've had between 15,000 and 60,000 people on average die of the regular flu. And if you do the math on that, that's anywhere from about 25 to 30 people a day to 150 people a day for an entire year. So if you do the math at the most, the high end, we've lost 150 people a day across the entire United States to the flu. We're losing 1,000 people a day in New York. So that gives some idea of the magnification. And also, they're throwing everything at it they can, the respirators, the technology, and more. And everybody doing what they can. You know, God bless each and every one of the first responders and the nurses and doctors. I actually thought about getting on a plane and going myself. And I thought, okay, would they listen to what I want to share? Because I would want to empty all the emergency rooms within a few hours, and they'd look at me like a lunatic. So let me share with you what I have tried to share. I've tried calling up health departments. I've given, I've given this talk several times now, and I'll do this right now. The quickest, fastest way I know how to shut down any respiratory virus is with a very common material that you can buy when it's available at any health food store, Whole Foods, or Amazon. And that material is called colloidal silver. Now, colloidal silver was demonstrated by the National Institute of Health in 2011 to be more effective than placebo. And what was 90% of the children that they did placebo versus colloidal silver with got over the cold significantly faster in their flus. And I would be happy to pull that up, Cindy, that you can actually do the search on it yourself. Is this just a supplement? Is it just a supplement? Colloidal silver is an actual elixir that takes the metal silver in its purest form using electrolysis or electricity, it breaks the silver into tiny, tiny particles. Now, I also have to say is the FDA does not condone or merit it for internal use. However, they do put it in ointments. They put silver into uh, surgical materials and plastics to keep them from uh, allowing infections to create. Things like uh, catheters and things now have silver threads in them to prevent infection. So the colloidal silver, which has been around since about the 1860s, was originally being used as an antibiotic up until about the 1930s because it worked. And so that was before the sulfur drugs and the antibiotics. And so colloidal silver fell out of fashion. That said, it may be the once-in-future solution. So I share this. So this is the trick with colloidal silver that I have found that has worked for me amazingly. And that is I take colloidal silver. And this is my own, and this is all for educational purposes, folks, so I don't want anybody suing me. So this is what I've done. And so I take colloidal silver, and I get the little spray bottle, little one, and most colloidal silvers, there's 100 brands. I like ones that are between 10% and 30% parts per million. Then I'll take that little spritzer bottle, like a little mister bottle. I will put it in my ears. I'll put it in my eyes. I'll put it up my sinuses. I will breathe it into my lungs and inhale it. And so guess what? I've now literally inoculated, covered, sealed all of those mucous membranes with silver. And what does silver do when it meets a virus or bacteria it doesn't like? It suffocates it. It can't breathe. That little critter cannot have respiration. It can't interact with the environment. It dies. And it's been effective and shown at a little place called uh, UCLA uh, back in the 80s to kill over 650 known organisms. And it generally only goes for anaerobic bacteria, which is the virus and other uh, materials. So by doing that, I have found, and I have shared this with so many people individually and during my sessions, 
and I get a letter back. Oh, uh, I went to Europe, and I got a cold the first day, but I remembered to do the silver. My gosh, it was gone in no time at all. So a bottle of colloidal silver might be 10 or 15 bucks. So I take it up another notch. I put it in a nebulizer. I can get a nebulizer, which is basically an air pump. It puts air through a hose, goes into this little cup, and it creates a mist. That mist is something I breathe. And that mist goes into my lungs and everything else, and I'll do that for five or ten minutes. The minute I feel a cold or flu coming on, I don't do this every day. It's emergency response because even at best guess, if they do everything right, we're still talking a year to 18 months for having a vaccine. Well, guess what? Once they produce that vaccine, what happens if we have another variation on this virus? Right. It won't, it won't mean any difference. Won't do However, the, the colloidal silver will, in and of itself, has no, it doesn't care. It doesn't care what virus it is. It goes after all viruses. Can I be more clear? So that is something that I found. I have tried to contact the powers that be, and I just, you know, I like to have a live conversation. I tried calling Bernie, uh, Bernie when he was running for president. I tried to call and talk to his organization and say, hey, look, you can get ahead of this as far back as February. You know, just have a conversation with me. Here's the science, and there is science behind this. I'm really concerned that this particular bug is literally going underground or boring its way into the lungs, and it's going to sit there until it gets reactivated. And now they're already starting to see people that were tested positive and tested negative and now testing positive again. So it's a virus. It's a little robot doing its thing. And we could do a whole other conversation about what I intuit about the coronavirus and why some, some things will help and some things not. So of all the things that's over the counter, Again, will the uh, silver, colloidal silver cause harm? I guess you'd have to drink a gallon of it, at least in my experience since 2000. I probably drank the equivalent of a gallon of it with all, anytime I felt a cold or flu and used it, I use it topically as an antibacterial, um, scratches, itches, all those things. I found it to be really good. It is approved for use topically, but the FDA has never made an exact statement. But it's kind of gotten the GRAS, which is generally recognized as safe, um, I do not know of a single case of someone being poisoned by true colloidal silver. There was a gentleman who his skin turned blue when it's a term called agraria, and he admitted in his own video when he was talking about this, on, and it's in YouTube, that he was drinking the wrong form of a liquid silver. He was drinking the stuff they use for photo development. And that is not it. So <laughs> people, do your homework. If you're going to look up colloidal silver, look it up, read about it. And this is one way to go. I'll share another tip. And this is something that it's, it's, it costs $3. It's, it's that simple. Um, there's a lot of essential oils out there. And this was handed down to me by Gwen Scott before she passed away. She was a naturopath. And so basically this was her recipe for dealing with respiratory illness. And I've used it, and it's worked great when I didn't have any colloidal silver. And what I've done, and I'm all about getting the solution here, folks, you know, whether you follow any of this stuff or ignore it, or, you, know, it, it, you know, do whatever you feel is correct. But this is what has worked for me. And so taking tea tree oil, you need to, I take a cup of water, I boil it on the stove, take it off, I pour in four or five drops of tea tree oil into the water, and guess what? It then becomes an aerosol or a mist, like a vaporizer. And I get my head right down next to it, pull the towel over my head, and I breathe that... Um, but but Justin, but Justin, yeah. it stinks. It does. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is because you must have been talking to my daughter oh, uh, God. within the last uh, month or so because she's been and she's got a diffuser in her room and she's got this tea tree oil stuff she's diffusing in it and the whole house smells like this tea tree oil. And I said, I said, Alex, here's her name. I said, Alex, what are you doing with that? And she said, it kills the germs. It does. <laughs> I said, really? I, I'd never heard of this. And now I'm hearing it again. Wow. Yeah. And it's also good for snake bites. It's also good for poison ivy and itching and any kind of insect. But, of course, the whole home run, the best thing I'm going to say, and it's been repeated for 80 years, high-dose vitamin C. All right. That's where I wanted to go next with this conversation. Yeah. Let's talk about vitamins and nutrition a little bit. You brought up vitamin C earlier. I've had other guests on the program that are singing the praises of vitamin C. This Vitamin C is not new, but it suddenly seems to be coming of age. And it couldn't happen sooner. There was a Dr. Klepper who also happened to be from North Carolina. He was treating mumps. He was treating measles. 
and I think he was even doing diphtheria and other illnesses which were considered incurable at the time by using high-dose vitamin C. And we're talking IVs, and we're talking, you know, 10, 20 grams a day, a lot. But let's bring it forward into the 21st century. And these are mega doses. Oh, yeah, and that's the thing is that I want people to realize, you know, one vitamin C tablet of 500 milligrams will just antagonize a virus. It's, it's just it's, it's more than you usually get on a day-to-day. And by the way, people are thinking, well, why can't I just eat an orange? Let me tell you how much milligrams of vitamin C are in an orange. 60 milligrams. So to get the basic vitamin C, you need to have to eat 10 oranges a day just to get up to a decent level, even though the RDA is much lower that the RDA is just to prevent scurvy. They haven't done tests for what illnesses it will prevent, even though it's in the documents. There's something like 1,400 peer-reviewed papers published on the benefits of vitamin C, and it's the only antiviral I know of that's incredibly safe and is easily usable and is darned inexpensive. There is actually some doctors using them now as part of the coronavirus care. There was a write-up in the New York Post about two weeks ago about a doctor giving IV vitamin C to as soon as they walk in the emergency room and worry about whether or not had COVID or not. Does the vitamin C act as a uh, a fighter of of the virus or these illnesses, or does it provide the body with uh, a boost to its immune system that actually makes it effective? As I understand it, it turns, it gives the body the Velcro it needs to get it, the white blood cells to have the virus stick to it. But aren't, aren't there levels of uh, not just vitamin C, but all of vitamin supplements that could be oh. toxic too? Well, there are the ones that, you know, iron would be the one I would personally want to stay away from at this time because some viruses and bacteria actually like iron. So I'm um, not being become completely anemic, but that's one I would stay away from. Um, and again, please do your homework and read up on all this stuff, everybody. And that, of course, uh, vitamin C is my number one. But then we also have vitamin D. We live in a country that it's so hard to see blue skies and yeah. sunlight on our body yeah. because of a, n- a number of factors. And that well, one is that we've been told well, 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 not let me, to. Let me tell you, just a, just, yeah, but... just a second, is that the most important thing about vitamin D that people don't know is it for it to be fully bioactive. If I went out in the sun on a sunny day on the beaches of Waikiki and laid in the sun all day, I would get sweaty because I, one, did not use sunscreen, which our ancestors didn't have sunscreen. And what happens when the sun cooks our skin a little bit, the oils come out. And then the secret is, if we go to bed that night without showering or bathing, those oils get reabsorbed back into the body. And that is when we get the most benefit from vitamin D. Um, For exactly another thing we need a lot of is zinc. A lot of the doctors and professionals are now recommending like 50 to 75 milligrams of zinc every day. And so the zinc is wonderful. It's all kinds of good things for testosterone um, and immune system. And the white blood cells need zinc to make more white blood cells. And that's why zinc is so important. It feeds the system what it needs. Uh, it's also really good for prostate health. Um, personally, I think zinc is actually the underrated Viagra. So don't run out and take lots of zinc here, folks. Don't go crazy. But again, look at the ratios. Look at how much you need. And again, it's 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 truth is knowledge, and and truth will set us free. But please, being responsible, read what's on a label, learn what's in good vitamins and bad vitamins. I will say this: that anybody wants to email me again, the human MRI uh, gmail dot com, and I'll delete any spam or other type of hate mail. By God, um, send a, a request. And I will send you Nutrition 101 free. It's a booklet I put together, the basics of why vitamins and minerals work the way they do. It's about 15 pages, something you read in 15, 20 minutes. I'll be happy to, and that's, that's going out there on my own. Feel free to contact me um, by uh, the contact page on my website. It will still come to me. Um, but, again, I'd be happy to send that out to anyone that's requesting it. Um, there's just so much information and more for those people that are still seeking that have been to the mountain and have not been able to resolve their health challenge, I love that. That's what I live for. For those individuals that want to change their life, they want to get out of the drudgery, they want to change the way things are happening. 
Justin, again, your website is thehumanmri.com, and you said people could get uh, find the contact information there as, as well as some of the products that you, you have available on the website that address some of these uh, ideas that we talked about tonight. Anything else you want people to, um, to look for, Facebook or anything? Um, yeah, I'll continue to post. People are free, feel free to contact me through Facebook and uh, say hi. Um, I prefer my direct uh, contact. Uh, Facebook is great, but um, I'm just busy. I don't have time to spend a lot of time there. Um, as I, I, I'm in my office, you know, I'm always looking, I'm always researching, I'm always trying to find the next best, and if something doesn't work, I move on to the next one. I'm not about uh, same old, same old, or dogma. If it works great. If it doesn't work, let's move on to something else. And I like so, the fact that you have the disclaimer on your website um, because that's important to let people know. I, I don't think that you uh, would at any point uh, tell people to not seek advice from a medical professional, even if they were working on things the way that you have suggested. Oh, gosh, no. I mean, over the years, I've recommended so many hundreds and hundreds of clients to go see a doctor or a physician because of something. Well, we thank you for your time. We're at, we're just we're just out of time. I'm sorry, Justin. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have you hey, back because as we realized during the course of this conversation, we could have taken the topic in uh, many different directions and had a whole show on each one of those particular uh, segments. But thank you for being here tonight. It was a real pleasure to chat with you. Great information, and uh, hope you'll agree to come back at some point. I'll, I'm there. Just let me know when. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.